This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 94 of the Stacey West podcast. Um, I'm Ben, as ever, Gary is with me. Um, I would ask you, are you well? But I'm guessing I'll get the normal answer of fine, will I? I've actually got a bite on the back of my uh, left knee. Okay. Yeah. Whenever they, whenever harvest comes around, because obviously we're surrounded by fields, uh, all these strange bugs that you can't see that that, that find me quite tasty uh, come into the house, and Fee insists on us sleeping with the windows open. I swear she's trying to kill me, slowly but surely. <laughs> so yeah, we get bitten and chewed to pieces. But no, I'm 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 great, mate. Obviously, I've just had a break in Norfolk, so uh, I am tickety boo. Good stuff. Um, right. Well, we've we've actually got what I think might well be a bit of a packed uh, packed podcast this week because we've got uh, a couple of games to, to touch on. Uh, we've got, obviously, Saturday to preview, and then we've, uh, we're going to do a, um, a run-through of who we think are the runners and riders, if you like, for the, uh, the promotion and relegation from League One this season. Indeed. So... Um, we might as well get straight into it. Obviously, season kicked off last Saturday um, against Crew. Uh, I think we all sort of saw this as a bit of a pre-season game still, so we're, we're going to touch on it. Um, I, th- I thought it was a, you know, I thought it was a decent win. I thought the second half was a hell of a lot better than the first half, um, and I think we deserved we deserved to, to take the win and go through to the next round of the uh, of the Carabao. Um, any any further thoughts aside from that? I mean, I don't know if you've seen anything beyond the highlights because I know you missed it, didn't you? Yeah, no, I haven't. Um, and, and like we kind of debated at the end of last week's pod, I think especially when we've had a game on the Tuesday night, certainly in this era, uh, in this this modern age that we live in, um, crew seems an awfully long while ago now. So, um, you know, yeah. it, it was a nice workout. Before the game, we said that we felt it was a pre-season game. And after we've won it, you kind of like to think, well, actually, it's the 10th year in a row where we haven't been beaten on the first Saturday of the season. So, um, <laughs> you know, take your positives and move on. I think uh, I think both the games this week have really been kind of pre-season-ish, haven't they, even though they're serious competitions? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's probably a good good spot there to 
to sort of jump into the into the Scunthorpe game. Um, but before, actually, before I do, I thought Monsman's strike on uh, last Saturday was absolutely fantastic and really, really nice flick as well um, from the corner to get to, to Monsman and he just absolutely buried it. So if he's happy to do that throughout the season, then uh, yeah, that's very promising signing. Um, but yeah, obviously, uh, Tuesday night, yes, Tuesday night, uh, Scunthorpe at home, um, in the EFL Trophy or whatever it's been christened this year, I think we said it's not got a sponsor again. Not got a sponsor this yeah, year. I think it's the EFL Trophy this year. Right. Okay. So um, yeah, I mean, one all uh, extra point gained on penalties, but I mean, yeah, it was a bit of a bit of a shaky start. Um, and then I think the uh, you know you, you mentioned in the blog, and also I think it's been picked up. I think Michael picked it up as well. It was a little bit of a lapse in concentration in the defence for for Scunthorpe's goal, um, but then a lot of hard work in the second half. I think really we probably should have had three or four, um, given the amount of chances that were created. It was once again that last sort of final ball or the, you know the final touch that, that just eluded us. But um, lots of promising signs. I personally thought George Grant had a hell of a game when he came on. Um, he, he looks like Michael might be getting the best out of him, and I know that's one of the keys that a lot of people are hoping for this season. Um, and uh, yeah, I think some some things are showing that you know some of the younger players um, probably seem to be a bit excited. Uh, I know people have mentioned about uh, uh, Anthony Scully being particularly, you know, like a Duracell bunny here, there and everywhere. And I think it was starting to show that he was, he was just sort of a little bit too keen at some point. I think that the, the shot that he had towards the end where it, you know, there was a couple of people he could have potentially squared it to. Um, but it's nice to see that enthusiasm regardless. And I think um, I was I was impressed by the second half showing on, on Tuesday night. What about yourself? Yeah, um, I think we've seen Michael getting the best out of George Grant. Um, and I can't keep calling him Jorge. If that is his name, George, if that if, if it is Jorge, I apologise and uh, I'm happy to be corrected. <laughs> I just see George, I read George. Um, but you know, I thought he... Um, I thought he was strong towards the end of last season. I think he was a player who really improved uh, throughout Michael's period. So I don't think it's any surprise to see him stepping up to a senior role, which I'm absolutely delighted for, because I think he's a quality footballer who has um, championship ability uh, should he continue to develop in the way that he is doing. Uh, I think the first half was tepid. Um, I think Scunthorpe could have scored two or three themselves. I think they had more clear-cut chances in the first half than we did in the second half. You know, you said there we should have scored a few more. I didn't actually see us create what I would class as a clear-cut chance until Harry Anderson's header. And after Harry's goal, I don't think any of maybe one chance, which was I think across from um, from Harry from the right hand side. Uh, was was a was an opportunity, but the half chances mm-hmm. at the end, um, Anthony Scully, Teo Eden, you know, they were speculative half chances. They weren't one on ones. They weren't clear cuts. So I don't actually think we created as much as the stats suggest that we did, or perhaps um, how much we were perceived to have created in terms of clear cut openings. Um, regarding Anthony Scully, you know. I, I like Anthony Scully. I, I like that kind of youthful abandon with which he plays. Um, yes, mm. you are quite correct. Towards the end, I thought that he was a little greedy. He wasn't Ollie Palmer balls out greedy, you know, and Ollie Palmer 
kind of had somebody on the edge of the six-yard box with an open goal and he would still shoot. I don't think you would get that from Scully. And I think you only have to look at the crew highlights, the corner that led to Lewis Monsma's goal. Really clever little through ball from from Scully to create the cross, which was deflected out. So, mm. um, you know, I, there's a more intelligent player there than just a, a kind of a... Ooh, get ball run. Um, you know, <laughs> that's not that's not Anthony Scully at all. I'm really, really excited um, by Scully. I'm, I'm I'm so hopeful that Michael can find uh, the kid's role because I think if he finds him his role within the team, I think that he could be a, a massive, massive player for us this season. My concern mm-hmm. is that when you have a player like that, that kind of mercurial maverick, so to speak. You know, it's it's hard to know where to deploy them to get the best from them, and to a degree, uh, and, and, and it, there's differences. But to a degree, is similar in that respect to Billy Knott when Billy Knott came. You know, mm. I saw in Billy Knott so much ability. Now he was a troubled individual off the field, and Anthony Scully isn't. So I'm not drawing parallels there, but I'm talking about dropping down from a higher level. Knott had obviously been at West Ham, I think Sunderland, Chelsea. Um, you know, so young player dropping down. He's just got to find his role. Billy Not never did. I think Scully's more levelled off the field, um, but it'll be interesting to see where we kind of fit him on the field. But you know, at the end of the day, it was a decent point um, in the in the league again in the EFL Trophy League, of course, against what was Scunthorpe's full first team. I'm led to believe, you know, and our midfield with with Alex Bradley and Remy Howarth. For me, neither of those players, if you were to pick a, a starting place for them would play central midfield. Bradley would probably play right back and Howarth would play somewhere across the front. So, you know, to come out of it with anything was good. And, you know, just a note on Alex Palmer's penalty save. I thought it was, um, that Mm. showed promise. I think I commented last year that Josh Vickers never saved a penalty. And then I think he saved a penalty the week (laughs) after I said it. Yeah, I think um, it was about it was something like two in a row. I think. Uh, yeah, I can't remember which one. I know he saved one against Burton. I can't, yeah, but I think it was he saved one earlier, didn't he? As well. Um, mm, yeah. But you know, it's nice to see nice to see Palmer um, making uh, making a penalty save and having a decent game as well. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, it, it it seemed like you know they were, they were definitely showing uh, he was definitely showing some promise with that, and uh, yeah, it was you know really decent save, you know, firm hand to it, and kept it out. So. Um, right. Next thing, and we've not done this since March, but uh, it's it's preview time. Um, we're going to talk about an actual football league game for Lincoln City, um, which is it's quite exciting. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, first game of the season, or first league game of the season. Um, how do we see Oxford going, Gary? Good question. Um, I, you, know, you couldn't have asked, I don't think, for a tougher start to the season um, in terms of defeated playoff finalists from the year before. And when you look back at the starts of the season that we've had uh, in, in, in past years, you know, we, we took um, a little bit of Accrington last season, which was a you know, it was a great start for us. Northampton, when they were relegated, you're taking it the year before, you're taking a team who were on a, on a, uh, a downward spiral. Excuse me, and we were on an upward spiral. So we've had a couple of decent opening games. Uh, I, I must confess, I don't know how Wickham did the year before we came out of the National League. Um, but you know, again, I don't think we were talking about defeated playoff finalists. Um, mm. So for me, you know, 
Oxford were the highest placed team that didn't get promoted because if you're the beaten playoff finalist, that's what you are, aren't you? You're, you're the, the last team that didn't get promoted that should have done. So in that respect, it's tough. And when you look at things like the 6-0, which inevitably gets talked about as well, it, it is, it's a hard opening fixture. Um, there are plus signs, of course, which I'll come into in a minute. Um, but I expect uh, Oxford to line up 4-3-3. It's very much the formation that, um, that Carl Robinson likes. The likelihood is that that the attack will be spearheaded by Matt Taylor. He signed for them permanently. I think it's permanently. Might be, might be wrong. Yes, it is. Um, but he signed for them in the summer. He scored against us last season as well. Um, so he's certainly one player that I, yeah, I, I think we need to be careful of. You know, it's when we talk about these younger defenders, the likes of Lewis Monsma, and people say yes, but will he be able to do it when it's against uh, seasoned centre forwards? Well, bingo! Here's your first season. Here's your seasoned centre forward. Um, Jake, who obviously does a bit for the pod, did an interview with Joe Citroni earlier, and he picked up another player that interests me as well, which is Marcus McGuane, um, who's mm. on loan from Nottingham Forest, who I think joined Nottingham Forest from Barcelona. Um, yes, that's right. And yeah. they're talking about Mc- you've done your research, Ben. Have you been off work? Have, have you yeah. been off work today, mate, or what? <laughs> um, uh, it's first time for everything. So uh, anyway. <laughs> anyway <laughs> Uh, McGuane, um they're talking about him potentially replacing Shandon Baptiste, and that was a concern that I had uh, around Oxford for the whole season. Is you know have they replaced uh, Baptiste and to a degree Fosu? Um, so interestingly enough, yes, it would appear that they have, but it's early doors for them settling. So if you're going to play a team like Oxford who are in partly transition and not massively, you know they haven't lost a lot of players from those that finished the season, um, but it's still a, a team that's got to settle down. I'm also really interested to Liam Kelly from Feyenoord. I mean, that's big signing. Um, he's coming on loan. He's another top, top player for them. Obviously, losing Rob Dickey is something that um, people will talk about. But um, I'm not sure that it, that's, again, as, as big a blow as, as, they, as people make out. So um, it's going to be really interesting. Really tough game. But I think in four weeks' time or whenever the transfer window closes, I think Oxford United will be stronger potentially considerably stronger than they are now. So in terms of times to play them at Sinsel Bank, probably couldn't pick a better one. Uh, yeah, I mean I I would um I'd probably agree with that. I think the you know the the the, the key signings that um that I picked out are the ones that you, you mentioned um for for reasons that will become a bit more apparent other than Ben decided to do some research this week. Well so you didn't um, just decide to do some research. There has to be a reason. That's that's unfortunate. Uh, you know what I mean. Anyway, um, yeah, I I think honestly it's going to be, like you say, it's probably the toughest draw or the toughest uh, fixture that we we could have asked for. Um, Personally, I think Oxford are going to be, you know, at least in the top six this year. Um, They've, you know, they're a team that that play decent, attractive football and I think they've got, they've got a lot going for them at the moment and, um, yeah. Hey, Charlie. Um, I think they are, you know, a team that um, if you'd have asked me to, to pick a team to start the season against, I probably wouldn't have said them. But like you say, the fact that the transfer window is still going on, we do have that. Um, we do have that, you know, that that window of right. They might not. Ju- they might not be at their best just yet. So we'll see what happens. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I I would probably. I would. It's one of those on Saturday. I'd take a point. You know, I would absolutely take a point on Saturday. Um, 
whether we'll get one or not, I don't know. Let's uh, let's see. So, cool. um, so yeah, I, I I agree with you there, Ben. I think um, I think you're quite right. I think they are going to be there or thereabouts, and doubtless, you know, we're going to be talking about them in the latter part of the um, of the show. I think it's interesting that obviously they started their Carabao Cup against uh, AFC Wimbledon at home. They played very much a full first team. You know, you're talking Cameron Brannigan. Um, and Alex Gorin were, were partnering McGuane in midfield, which looks really, really strong. Mark Sykes and James Henry who were established players for them. Uh, both started, as did Rob Atkinson, who's replaced Rob Dickey. You know, he, they had a lot. They had a strong, strong side out. Uh, they drew one all. Their XG was only zero point eight three, while while Wimbledon's was one point five three. Now I know that people don't like talking about XG, etc. Um, they were fortunate to come out of that game on penalties and, and progress to the next round. Uh, they did have a lot of possession, 67% to Wimbledon's 32, as you would expect. But it was a slow start for them. You know, We, we were talking about having a good start. We've, we've played two matches now um, where elements of the first team were featured. You know, For us, Tuesday, elements of our first team were playing against Scunthorpe at the back and, and we played you know, a strong side against Crewe. Um, Oxford did brush aside Chelsea uh, under 21s in midweek, but it was a 4-1, 4-1 they played. It was a departure from their first team and um, you know it was very much the reserves. So you know, the AFC Wimbledon result doesn't concern me, obviously, because I don't have a toss about Oxford. Um, but if I was an Oxford fan, you would look at that and you would think, ooh, you know, that was a bit dodgy. Let's hope we kick into gear uh, against Lincoln. They will probably be looking at this with the same amount of trepidation as we are because they rate Michael Appleton higher than many, many teams do because they've seen firsthand what he's capable of. Mm. So they're looking at it thinking, oh God, no, we don't want to be against the Michael Appleton side and he's made Michael Appleton style signings. And, you know, that took us to two Wembley finals and ninth in League One in our first season up and promotion from League Two. Do you know what I mean? So mm. it's almost like us being having to go away to a Danny Cowley side on the opening day of the season, you know, mm people might look at it differently from the outside, but Oxford will look at it very differently from the inside. So, um, you know, it's, it's a really, really tasty fixture, a really tasty fixture. Excellent stuff. Well, hopefully, um, you know, hopefully we'll be, we'll be discussing a few more points or a few points on the board, but uh, yeah, I'm, like I say, I would, I would quite happily take a point from, from that game. So, um, next up we've got, well, I, I suppose we didn't really, it wasn't confirmed but when we recorded last week, but uh, obviously we've, you know, we've already spoken about Alex Palmer. Uh, we did sign Alex Palmer and Callum Morton on loan from West Brom. Um, good to see them getting, you know, getting some first team action. I thought, uh, Morton actually looked pretty decent when he came on against, uh, against crew as well. You know, you know, some good touches. Um, but the other big news this week, uh, contract wise is that Jez George has signed a new long-term deal with the club. Um, and I think from, he, he was sort of that, uh, I think we, we've spoken about it before. He was a bit of an enigma, uh, for quite a while. Um, but he, he seems to be taking a bit more of a front row seat with things in terms of, you know, Speaking to speaking to certain members of the press, I know that um, I think there was a there might still be a, a plan of getting potentially getting Jez on the podcast and, and talking to him there as well. Um, but yeah, there's there's definitely you know a lot of merit to what he's been uh, what he's been doing, and I think uh, the, you know the contract that he's been um, offered you know says it's a long term deal. So I'm I'm pretty pleased that he's uh, decided to take that on. 
Um, and from all accounts, it's thoroughly deserved as well. So, uh, yeah, congrats to, to Jez for that one. Yeah, I think um, it's also a change of role, isn't it? It's official director of football now. And for me, the yeah. best directors of football are the ones that you don't hear from. Because if you hear from them, they're undermining the manager. If you've got a director of football out there talking about transfers or you know, you look at Peterborough, the only people that ever talk about transfers at Peterborough are Darren McAntony and Barry Fry. Um, you never get Darren Ferguson talking about them. And, you know, for me, if like Michael does his presses and he will discuss his transfer policy. I wouldn't, then wouldn't want to be hearing Jez talking about his targets because they're, they're club targets and we don't. And I, I like that. When you see Jez is when significant events are happening in terms of the club structure that often go under the radar. So I remember when we did the link up with the Lincoln Minster School um, and it was something that, you know, the club were quite eager to push, but some mainstream media kind of left it alone because it's like, it's not a player, it's not a result. Do you know what I mean? It's you know, Lincoln are doing something with the school. And quite often you can dismiss that sort of thing. And then in actual fact, when you look at the result of that and offering the Irish leaving certificate as well, which is obviously the the, the equivalent, I think, of GCSEs at um, Republic of Ireland, that is. Um, it might be a equivalent of A-level, I'm not sure which one, to be fair. Um, but either way, you know, we were one step ahead and George Jez was instrumental in that. Um, so it's, it's interesting. I know whenever you talk to, whenever we talk to Liam Scully, whenever I talk to Michael, um, you know, Jez always pops up in conversation. Whenever you look at transfers that have come in, you know, so many of them are spoke to Jez and Michael. Um, so it's, it's interesting, I think, in that respect, that we have this hugely influential figure behind the scenes, and he is, um, who really does take a back seat. And I think the most visible that Jez probably was was when Danny left. Um, and mm. he was at Michael's press conference, sat alongside Neil, uh, Neil, Liam, and Michael. Um, and when you know, I was I was in the press box for the Bristol Rovers game, which was obviously the first without Danny and Jamie McCoon was um, was answering questions from the press. But Jez was there at the back of the room. Now, he's never normally there at the back of the room with a manager, but you know he was. I'm not going to say he was holding Jamie's hand, but you know he was a very visible presence, and I think he was a steady in presence uh, for the mm. club. Now, I know that critics will say, uh, will always point to Cambridge United fans who, you know, were heavily critical of Jez when he left the club um, and that he was, you know, once the money had gone, Jez had gone was what they said. And, you know, the, that's that's just bollocks. For me, that's like uh, fans now being critical of Danny Cowley at Lincoln. You know, oh, when we stopped spending money, Danny left, blah, blah, blah. Whereas in actual fact, he revolutionised the club. And if you look at the history of Cambridge United and you speak to more balanced fans, um, you, they'll tell you about the times that, that Jez managed the club, you know, and, and kind of was, was a really heavily influential figure there. So, yeah, I think it's good news for us. You know, I, I don't like a director of football per se. You know, I certainly don't like it when a director of football comes in and he's kind of over and above the manager. But I think it's one of those roles where it's a title, but it means something different at one club to the next club. And I think what mm-hmm. it means for our club isn't somebody above Michael who's going to undermine him. It's, you know, Jez is somebody who is um, incredibly important to the day-to-day running of football things. So, yeah, it, you know, for me, it's good news. And just to pick you up, you missed out on Remy Howarth. We haven't signed him when we recorded either. Hadn't we? I thought we had. No, we hadn't. We we recorded on the, the Thursday and he was announced on the Friday morning. Oh, uh, yeah. He looks all right as well, to be fair. <laughs> the 
way you said that. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, fuck that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> do you know what? Actually, you know, we expected Callum Morton. We expected um, Alex Palmer. But we didn't expect Remy Howarth. We didn't even know who he was at one point. And, you know, made me laugh. People were saying, oh, trial this day is Yuri Skalak. It's not. It's not. It's not a check international. He's on fifteen grand a week. I can guarantee you that it's not going to be. Um, and you know, he he seems like a great character. And when you said about that kind of youthfulness in the friendlies, uh, in, not in the friendlies, in the Scunthorpe game, the games that felt like friendlies, uh, I thought you were going to mention Remy because that's exactly how he kind of played. He plays like the he plays like the fifth year that's suddenly been promoted into the upper sixth first eleven. Do you know what I mean? Like bloody hell, I play mm. with the big boys. Let's have it. Um, and I like his kind of infectious personality that he seems to have um, mm. behind the scenes. There's an element, dare I say, of the Ben Coker in his kind of youthful excitement for football. Um, mm. So, uh, yeah. From, again, for me, it just shows that transition of us as a club because you know we rarely sign trialists. Juan Luque and Alex Bradley both spring to mind, but you know they were both used sparingly weren't they you know Bradley yeah. I don't think kicked a ball after his trial Juan Luque you know featured in the occasional friendly whereas Remy Howarth has he's really been front and center you know we've seen more of him than we probably have of Conor McGrandles of Liam Bridcott of Theo Archibald certainly because we haven't seen him yet but do you know what I mean so I think um yeah in very interesting signing and Ben still one to come so I understand yeah I think Michael was uh was hinting at that Quite heavily in his uh, in his press conference, I think um, he said that the what was it the, the the target that they're after is is still uh, their number one target. Mm. So the thing, all the the khaki sort of um, gutter press Twitter accounts are naming Jordi Hawula, um as they have been doing for the last four months. <laughs> uh, but another source messaged me this morning, um, a Mank listener of ours. Uh, who believes that we are signing uh, another Mank. Uh, somebody has told him that as well. And obviously, Jordi Harula is, uh, to put it politely, from Manchester. So, um... Cheers, Chris. <laughs> Do you know what I find really interesting is, you know, kind of like uh, Steve Tilson come in and there was this massive distrust because, you know, he's, he, he pronounces Bath Bath and things like that. You know, fucking it, fucking it. Knees up, mother ground. Uh, and then, like... <laughs> Yeah, there was this distrust of, of, of southern base, the southerners, basically, isn't there? We're very kind of Lincoln, <laughs> a very territorial place. We don't trust them southerners. Um, and then we get someone like Michael, you know, who's no nonsense, Manchester, probably as far away from us as London in a car. I don't know. Um, and it's we kind of identify with it. It's like, yeah, he's you know, he's Michael's working class. He talks like he's working class. We watch Coronation Street, not East Enders up here. Um, and <laughs> Yeah, the, the transfer business. You know, oh, we sign in another man, he'll be a hard-working bugger. Do you know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah. I just think, I, I know it isn't him, but I just love Danny Rowe to sign here because I think Danny <sighs> Rowe and Michael Appleton are just exactly the same type of people. Mm. That that would be, yeah, that would be bliss. But, but like wouldn't, say. where would we play him? You know, mm. is he going to get a game over Zach Albazetti, Harry Anderson, Anthony Scully? Um, George Grant or Jorge Grant, Callum Morton. Do you know what I mean? Where where, where would uh, where would he play? And that's what you've got to ask about this striker. If he's the number one target, and Tom Hopper's our number nine, and Callum Morton's come here to play thirty thirty five games a season, 
our number mm. one target is, you know, unless the EFL has given a special dispensation to play 12 players a game, um, he's yeah. not going to get all that many games, surely. No, that's true. Um, but is is he is he out of contract at the minute? Who? Jordan Ruler. Oh, Danny Rowe. Yeah, no. he was released by Ipswich, wasn't he? Yeah, that, that was, I thought he was. Yeah, yeah. So There was talk of him mm. going back there when the COVID thing settled down, but Danny Rowe's the sort of player that a National League side, and he's, were, he's so much better than the National League, but a National mm. League side might be willing to break a salary, because uh, there's no salary cap there, so they might be willing to yeah, offer more money than a League One or a League Two club are willing to offer him, and he could go mm. there and you know, he could tear up, tear up the division. Um, I hope he yeah. gets a club soon because he's a lovely bloke, Danny. Absolutely, yeah. So, and I've I got mean, it, it would be nice, but like you say, about hmm, being an embarrassment of riches, but it doesn't matter because uh, Harry Anderson's going to Hull, apparently. I'm not even going to talk um, about that because I thought <laughs> I thought Harry had a really good game on uh, on Tuesday. Yes, uh, and I suppose what we ought to before we go on to our predictions, uh, briefly touch upon the cup draw. I suppose. Yeah, obviously, um, that's a you know. A poignant fixture for most. I think um, a lot of people were looking forward to going to Valley Parade. Well um, done, Ben. I laid a trap there for you, and you didn't and I walk into, straight into it. No, you didn't. You didn't walk straight into it. You picked the right fixture to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. Because I've heard Liverpool this and Liverpool that, and Bradford is a oh, fantastic draw. Bradford's Bradford's the one I'm excited yeah. about. I'm not excited about either of them because we can't go. Um, well, yeah, but, you know, in terms of in terms of the you know, in terms of the you know the, the relationship between the club, yeah. I think it's uh, I think it's a really exciting fixture. Um, I would I would love to you know obviously love to be there, but it's a it's a fi- it's a you know fixture where the clubs have got a lot of respect for each other and a lot of love um, for obvious reasons. So our friends at Bradford, um, the Lenny, the city gent, and anyone who's read my book knows that he was you know one of my closest mascot friends. Um, messaged mm-hmm. me. He was he was the reason I knew the draw. I, I'd be now at a national trust property called Blickling Hall with my problem dog all afternoon, uh, and I got back and uh, yeah, there was a message from Lenny saying great draw, pal, and so oh, brilliant. I went online, everyone's going Liverpool. It's like, well, have we drawn Bradford or Liverpool then? Um, so, but I mean, the thing is, we've we've got to get past it to get to the Liverpool game. But even then, it will be you know a Liverpool eleven. Yeah. It's a winnable game, no Bradford. That's no disrespect mm. to Bradford. The division below us, um, mm. you know, Stuart McCall is still trying to get players in. They're not in the greatest of places at the moment. So it would just be heartbreaking, wouldn't it, to finally draw Liverpool at Sinsel Bank and yeah. not be able to play it. Because if you think about big cup draws at Sinsel Bank, big Premier League clubs at Sinsel Bank, you know, you, you think back to Everton last year, but with I can't remember as ever playing... Liverpool here, apart from in friendlies. Man United we've never had. Spurs was way back in the early 80s before you were born and when I was still drawing on the wall in crayons. Arsenal, I don't think we've ever had in the cup. Do you know what I mean? And they're the, they're the big four, aren't they? They're, they're the four that if you get one of those, it's like, ah, oh, that's the dream ticket. We finally get them and nobody can go. Mm. At least it stops all the two-team wankers having their one night at the Cinsel Bank. <laughs> Disclaimer, I've nothing against two team wankers. That was facetious of me. <laughs> what I mean is the people that aren't two team, but pro- profess to be to get the Liverpool tickets. You know, the ones that go on about Jurgen Klopp's Barmy Army and then when they draw Lincoln, it's like, oh yeah, my dad always used to go to Lincoln. No, he didn't. Don't lie. 
<laughs> you know, at least the likes of Martin Green and uh, Mr. Barwise and, uh, you know, people who are proud two team. They're not, when I say two team wankers, I don't mean, you know, they're not two team wankers. They're two, they're people that support two teams. You see what I'm saying? There's a distinct difference. Yeah. I know two yeah. team wanker is used to describe people who support two teams, but you know, I, it's alien to me, but like like Pete, who uh, who was obviously on my video feed, you know, he's Man United and Lincoln. But if Man United played mm. Lincoln, he'd support Man United. There's no wrong with yeah. that. There's nothing wrong with supporting your local team. It's when you don't support your local team, but then they get the big draw, and suddenly you know it's yeah. I've always liked Daddy Appleton. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I, 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 I've not got an issue with it. Like, well, like no, because you support Man United. There we go. I knew that was coming at some point. <laughs> Did you enjoy their under twenty one six nil win against Salford last night? I didn't know that had happened. Yeah, Manchester United under twenty ones beat Salford six nil. Jesus Christ. Oh well. Yeah. Um any indeed. Right. Um so we're gonna go over now, because uh, we're about half an hour in, so we'll probably hopefully shoot for an hour overall. But um, I'm going to go over our top six and bottom four of um, of League One for this season and hopes for the Imps, I guess. Yeah. Um, should we so- start now? Just to cover this, we've spoke off air. We don't know who each other has picked. No. And I no, think we've, we've got absolutely no idea. So one of us is going to go first and then the other one will put a team in and then the other one goes first. So we're kind of swapping and, and explaining why. And I, I, I've gone a little bit over and above, unfortunately, because Ben has done his research. I take the mick, but of course he has. But then I've picked a couple of dark horses at each end of the table as well. So, um, but what I would just say, I think we should start at the bottom. Okay. Start bottom, like, 24th and work our way up? Yeah, well, I, I've just picked four to be relegated, so I'll probably okay. do them alphabetically. Okay, um, right. If you, do you want to start then? Okay, so obviously starting for the first team to be relegated, I've actually gone for Accrington, um, Stanley. Okay. The reason I've gone for Accrington, they, I think last season they were fortunate uh, that the season ended early. I think there's a couple of teams that were um, I think mm-hmm. when it comes to being affected by COVID, I think Accrington are one of the sides who you kind of look at and you think, um, you well, know, not having that income from tickets is, is going to be huge, huge for them. Not having mm-hmm. their big away followings is going to be huge. When you look at their transfer business, you know, it's loan from Watford, loan from Newcastle, loan from Bournemouth, loan from Newcastle, loan from Chelsea very, very little in terms of um, their own players coming in. They've lost Jordan Clark and Callum Johnson. I just think they've been punching above their weight for a while now. And eventually that kind of plucky underdog tag goes, you lose it. Um, mm-hmm. So I've got fears for Accrington this season. Okay. Um, I I think they'll survive this season. I think they've got... I don't know. I think there's just something about that that whole, like you say, the plucky underdog thing. I, I think they've potentially got it in them for one more season. Um, obviously, you know they they are going to be heavy hit by by COVID and then, um, the fact that they're not going to have the, the the ground open on match days. Um, but I don't know. Um, I think um, I, I think they might survive this season. Um, but the first team that I've gone with for relegation this season are Bristol Rovers. Um, 
I think when you look at their stats from last season, um, the the fact is that, I mean, their goals came from Johnson Clark Harris, and ultimately he's disappeared now. So I don't think there were many people other than him that that got into double figures, if any. To be honest with you, I think there was probably only you know a couple of players that got above four goals last season, um, and I think they might struggle. Um, I know obviously that you know they'll have a fee for for him that's coming from Peterborough, but <clears throat> I I wouldn't I wouldn't put money on them staying up this season. Well, um, can't see them doing very well. Before you move to your next one, because obviously it's your turn first, I actually picked those as my dark horses for relegation. Okay. Now, the reasons that I don't think they're out-and-out relegation candidates, I think when you look at some of their business, it has actually got an air of impressiveness about it. Um, Jack Baldwin and Max Emmer at the back for uh, coming from Sunderland and Gillingham, respectively. Baldwin was Peterborough's captain during a, a promotion tilt a couple of years ago. Um, Emma, Emma, Max Emma, I'm not sure how you pronounce it, um, but he's he's coming from Gillingham. He was a key part of their team last year. Uh, Josh Grant has joined from Chelsea, uh, you know, a player that I think could score goals for them. Zane Westbrook was a key part of the Coventry team that finished top last season. Um, I also see today that they've been linked with Brandon Hanlon um, at Gillingham. It looks like he's going to sign for Bristol Rovers uh, despite being offered a new contract at Gillingham. So I think they've made the sort of signings that would give you hope that you're going to be in the top 10. And I, yeah, I think very, very few people would be bold enough to put Bristol Rovers in the bottom four. I think that's a massive shout. Um, but at the same time, I'm not convinced by their manager, Ben Garner. Like you, they relied hugely on, I thought they relied hugely on Johnson Clark Harris. Um, Tom Nichols was gash for them. You know, they came to us, they never deserved to win. If the if the season, instead of the season being curtailed early, if it had been 54 games and not 46, they would have been dragged into the relegation battle. You know, they, they did really well before Christmas, I seem to remember, and got themselves into the top six. And I was shaking my head and not knowing why. So bold shout for the bottom four, um, but a team that if it goes badly early doors, there could be a lot of pressure on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, OK. Um... Your your second choice. You can go next because we, we're rotating, aren't we? I don't want to steal one if you've picked them. Well, I just I just picked one. Okay, okay. Well, oh it, no, sorry, yeah. sorry. No, I got you. Yeah, sorry. No, I know what you mean now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my second choice um, for a relegation uh, relegation team this season is Crew. Um, I. <sighs> I mean, I I know they play, you know, looking last week, they played some decent stuff. They played some good football, but I, I just don't know. I, I can't see, I can't see them staying up. I don't know why. That, that's pretty much as much as I've got on that. I, I just, I, I, I don't think they've got, I don't, you know, from, from the looks of it, I don't think they've necessarily done the business that I think they need to do to, to stay up. Um, and it's you know it's not the easiest of leagues to come into, particularly when you've got some clubs that um, you know are a little on the larger side. But hmm, okay. yeah, Crew are my second pick on that one. That's bold. I mean, I've got I've got Crew nowhere near um, the bottom four or or either dark horse that I've picked. Um, so it's going to yeah, be interesting. I, I think they've made some strong signings, and I think when those signings gel, Luke Murphy, Omar Beckles, Donovan Daniels. Um, yeah, I think they'll be bottom half, but I think they'll be comfortable bottom half. Um, 
you know, I think they play football the right way, and I think they've got that consistency behind them. Certainly with with David Artel's management, you know, they've kept a bulk of their side together. They've got some exciting youngsters. So, um, yes, yeah, so that's another big shout from you. Um, my next one is Rochdale. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it, it's kind of along the same lines as the Accrington shout. I think in the I just feel that they've been strugglers. I think they've, you know, they, they survived on the last day of the season, not long back. Um, I think they've, they've been there or thereabouts around the bottom for two, three, four seasons now. Um, they've been able to do very, very little business. You know, they've brought in um, two lads on loan from Man City, um, Bazuna and Amanqua, um, both of whom, you know, one might do well, one might not. You know, these... these loans if they're unproven at this division it, it might be hard to make an impact I'm, I'm reaching with that you don't know um, and they brought in Alex New- Newby from Chorley but they lost Callum Camps who for me was one of the you know the, the biggest performers that they had last season Ian Henderson was their leading scorer seems to have been you know right up there regular I believe he was their leading scorer regularly scoring goals for them he's gone um, they're li- Ollie uh, Rathbone in the middle of the park is another one who's linked with a move away I see it being a long, dark, tough season for Rochdale. I don't think that they'll be bottom, um, but I just think that, again, like Accrington, at the moment they're punching above their weight. Respect to them for doing it for as long as they have. Um, but I just think that the, the financial impact is evident in their business. And I don't mm. think they had a strong enough squad last year that they can afford to have had such a weak summer this year. Yeah, Rochdale are actually my my third pick. Um Third pick, sorry, Rochdale, my, my fourth pick. Um, so I, I'm in agreement with you on that one, I think. Cool. Um, so yeah, another one from me. Uh, yep. Now, this is the team, we're going alphabetically, this is the team I think will finish bottom. Okay. Uh, and I think they're this season's Bolton Wanderers bar the points deduction. Uh, it's Wigan Athletic. Uh, I think okay. when you look at Wigan at the moment, um, they're losing players hand over fist. I mean, just to list the players they've lost, you know, Callum Lang, Daniel Guayali, Liam Bagalun, Jensen Weir, Joe Gelhart, Kiefer Moore, Shea Dunkley, Anthony Robinson, Joe Williams, David Marshall, Jamal Lowe, Joe, all gone. All players who have left the club. Uh, when you look at their incomings, uh, I think they brought in Dan Garner, who hadn't played football in nearly two years through injury. Uh, Viv Solomon Otterbor, I think, who was, who's been abroad and kind of just come back in. They're, they're, they're in disarray. Um, they haven't got a manager at the moment. There's talk that Simon Grayson will be coming in. This is the Simon Grayson that had all the riches in the world at Blackpool last season uh, and ended up getting sacked after they, they fell down the table. I just think, unfortunately, they will be uh, this season's crisis club. Um, you know, and it's heartbreaking because when you put all the players that have left together, you know, that's a, an upper mid-table championship side. Um, they've been well royally shafted. Uh, fans of a certain age will remember Wigan Athletic being more or less regular opponents of Lincoln. Um, and I think that they are now, sadly, post, um, what's his name, Dave Whelan, they're falling straight back down to where they came from, dare I say. Okay. Um, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a good shout. I think, you know, pegging them as the crisis club is definitely... You know the right thing. I, I, it's it's heartbreaking to see it happen to you know another club. Um, I know it's not exactly the same situation as Bolton, but they, you know, it, it's just crazy, really. And to be honest with you, when you say they've been shafted, I I can't you know can't can't disagree with you on that. It's just 
the fact that they had a points deduction and uh, you know Sheffield Wednesday didn't was yeah uh, yeah but biting my tongue a little bit on that one. Well, doing the only thing I would say is bear in mind the very different um, reasons for the points deduction. Yeah, theirs was foregoing to administration. Um, yeah, perhaps no, they should perhaps they shouldn't have had the, the points deduction, um, but. You know that Sheffield Wednesday's was was a far uh, far more clouded um, than than Wigan's. So, but again, mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, it, it was it's all nasty. Football relegation promotion should be decided on the pitch. It shouldn't be decided uh, sat around the table by suits. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my last pick, I didn't go with Wigan, um, but my last pick for relegation was actually Northampton Town. Um, I know they've obviously lost a few players uh, over the you know over the summer. Um, Scott Wharton's left. Um, I think uh, Turnbull's gone as well. So you know they they don't have the defence they had towards the end of last season. Um, one second, I'll drop my phone. There we go. Um, and then you know obviously Callum Morton is is with us now, and he was a key player in their team last year. So. Um, again, I'm not 100 percent sure on on all of the business that they've done, but I don't see them having anything other than a you know bounce straight back down into League Two. Unfortunately, so it's, a, it's an interesting shout. Um, I mean, obviously, Callum Morton only played 12 games for them, and three of those came in the playoffs. So um, I didn't see him as a key performer for them. I don't. Again, I think I think my, my argument there is that I think they were, they were hoping that he would be a key player this season okay. for them. Well, I think when when you talk about um, when I talk about Northampton, it's very similar to talking about Crew for me. Um, in that, I think that their business has been quite strong. Um, Benny Ashley Seal is one that stands out signing from Wolves. Joe Nuttall has signed on loan from Blackpool, and he's kind of he's going to be the Vidane Oliver figure. Obviously, Vidane Oliver's left for Gillingham, and I, I'm not a big Vidane Oliver fan. I don't see him scoring double figures in this division. I think Kean Bolger is the sort of player that they should have signed because he's the sort of defender, kick it away, head it away defender, which is going to fit with 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 Mansfield's philosophy, uh, Mansfield, Northampton's <laughs> philosophy. Um, they've signed Fraser Horsfall, who, who was impressive for Macclesfield last season in the same way that Theo Archibald was. You know, Macclesfield didn't do badly. They just their their points taken from them. You know they performed well under the circumstances. Joseph Mills from Forest Green is someone who's impressed me in the past as well. So I think Northampton will be robust enough, ugly enough, and aggressive enough to keep themselves out of the bottom four. I don't think they'll be you know ten places clear at the bottom four. I think when all said and done, I don't think they'll be ten points clear at the bottom four. Um, but I think they'll be clear at the bottom four. So okay. my final team is AFC Wimbledon. Mm-hmm. Um, so whether that's A or W, I don't know if I've kind of uh, boxed <laughs> the trend or not there. Um, so they're my final team to go down. Again, it's it's kind of the Rochdale and the Accrington thing, you know. In uh, I, I look at Wimbledon and I just I look at their business. You know, they're pinning an awful lot uh, of their hopes on their new number nine, Ollie Palmer, who. Yeah, I wouldn't have him as my number nine in League Two, um, let alone League One. Alex Woodyard is a good signing for them, but when you look at the players that they've lost, you know, Anthony Wordsworth, Mitch Pinnock, uh, Scott Wagstaff, Quissy Apaya, you know, all players who were decent enough at this level to help you grind out a point uh, when you needed a point. Um, they're going to rely heavily on Joe Piggott getting in and around um, 
Palmer. They're going to try and do very much the same as Northampton, be robust, be big, get the ball forward, front to back quickly. On present, and, and all of this dis- is dis- with a disclaimer that you know if there's more business done, the, the, the landscape might shift for these teams. But on mm. present business, um, I don't see AFC Wimbledon um, remaining in, in League One. I have picked another dark horse. Obviously, I picked Bristol Rovers. Um, I'm not entirely sure about Swindon at the minute. And okay. when you look at some of their business, it's actually impressive. Um, Kovar uh, has signed on loan from Manchester United in goal. He had a good game for them uh, in the AFL Trophy against us last season. Uh, Brett Pittman, who will always score goals at this level, has signed for them up top. They've got Matt Smith on loan from Arsenal. Tyler Smith from Sheffield United, who I think, and I'll stand corrected, but I think was on loan at Bristol Rovers last season and came on and actually looked half decent against us. Um, obviously, Jack Payne, if they can get him firing, he's a good player at this level. Uh, and they've, they've signed uh, Jay Semi from Norwich, again, who's, who's a player who you think he's got a lot about him. But there's some comments I read today about Richie Wellens, the manager, kind of saying that he needs to sign more players. They're not a complete squad. I think they've had a couple of bad results um, in uh, in the two cups that they've got to play in. And I'm just getting the feeling that all might not be well there. And when you look at that, the, the, the signings that they've made, I don't think the signings that they've made are all that bad. But that news report, I would never, before, if we had recorded this yesterday, I wouldn't have put them as a dark horse for relegation. But I didn't like, I don't like the vibes that that news report gave off. They lost in the EFL Cup to um, Charlton. And then they lost mm. in the Football League trophy to um, West Brom. And when you look at the team that went out against West Brom, bear in mind it's West Brom under-21s. You know, Kovar, Paul Caddis, Jack Payne, Brett Pittman, all playing. Hallam Hope, Jay Simi came on. It was a strong side they put out. For me, I think there's worrying signs there. And if I was a Swindon Town fan, I would be hopeful that the noises that are coming out of the club at the moment are just noises and not reflective of a wider problem. Mm. Okay. I, I wasn't, I, I, to be honest, I wasn't aware of that. I didn't know the, uh, I'm not sure I've not seen the article you're on about, so I'll have to check that out. Well, it was in the Swindon Advertiser, so you may not have done. Right. Okay. Um, I, I, obviously, I, I kind of, I spend my days with, uh, I've got a second screen now, and I spend my days with my second screen Um turned on permanently uh, with news now on so I can grab any of the uh, latest news. And it was in the Swindon Advertiser. I can give you the quotes that uh, Richie Wellens made. So he said, Swindon, bear in mind, this is interesting. He said, Swindon have no chance of promotion without more signings, which shows kind of that he's aiming high already. Um, but he, Wellens has said, what I don't want is in three or four weeks' time, when the window is shut, you can have him, you can have him, and you can have him. Well, there's four or five games gone there by then. We need help. I've said it for the last three weeks, and to be honest, I'm getting tired of it. This is probably the only team that I've not kept the majority of a promotion squad. We've allowed players to go, and then we're slow in getting in replacements. As you can sense, I'm not happy. Ooh. Now, for me... Now that... Hmm. Okay. When Yeah, when it's, when it's said like that, it's... Um... That's quite worrying for, you know, if you're a Swindon fan. And I'm looking at their business thinking, you know, the players that they've let go. Okay. Uh, So Doyle uh, was was obviously somebody, I think, who who was out of contract and he left. 
Um, Keshi Anderson left for Blackpool. So there's two strikers. Jerry Yates was on loan and he left. But they brought in Tyler Smith and Brett Pittman. And um, when you look at the players that they've released, Joe Bancroft, Joe Romanski, Will Henry, Ralph Graham and Danny Rose. Not exactly key players. I mean, Rose is, I think, signed for Grimsby, hasn't he? But for me, he hasn't lost her that. Yeah. Anyway, we're not Swindon fans, so. Uh, <laughs> but I'd, I'd just, I, I'd be a little bit concerned if I was Swindon hearing that, especially okay. if a club higher up loses a manager early doors. Let's say Doncaster get off to a bad start and Darren Moore walks. Richie Wellens is a bit of a Doncaster legend. Comments like that suggest to me that he might want to move quickly because I remember another manager getting promoted out of League Two talking about budgets and talking about wanting to bring players in. And on September the 9th last year, he jumped ship. So, you know, the, the signs are there. <laughs> uh, should we move into, should we do playoffs and promoted and then champions last of all? Yep. Okay, so uh, playoffs. Um, let's have a look. Alphabetical order. Okay, first team in the playoffs. Do you want to go first or shall I go first? You go first this time, my friend. Okay, uh, I've got Fleetwood. Um, I think they are a team that, uh, you know, I think they sh- should be aiming for the playoffs this season. Um, they are a team that, you know, they've got money behind them. They've got uh, they've got a manager that seems relatively settled at the club, and you know, as much as he's maligned elsewhere i think he's he seems to be doing all right provided he doesn't end up with a you know prison sentence for a, assault or whatever um but yeah i, I think uh, i think fleetwood will be able to continue what they did last season um and i think they are um maybe sort of eh, maybe fifth or sixth but I, th- I think they're in with a shout for the playoffs this season okay um well you, that's one of my picks um Fleetwood Town, not not alphabetically, uh, but yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. Uh, when you look at the players that they have signed as well, Callum Camps from Rochdale, I mentioned what a loss he was for Rochdale. Um, their loss is, is Fleetwood's gain. I think he's he's a, a wonderful midfielder. They brought in Jordan Rossiter from Rangers, who again, I think at this level is, is a really competent player. Morgan Boys has joined on loan from, uh, from Liverpool. Did I say Jordan Rossiter from Liverpool? I meant Rangers. Um, they brought Mark Duffy in from Sheffield United. You know they've, they've they've kept together a group of players as well. So you've got the likes of Paddy Madden and Chad uh, Evans um, are still at the club. You know they've they've got just they've got a good side. And say what you like about Joey Barton, and we will incessantly. Um, but Joey Barton has proven himself to be a really good manager. You know he did a really good job at Fleetwood last season. This is a side that have always had money, and the likes of Juve Rossler. You know, had Fleetwood in the bottom sort of eight or nine of this division and they were floundering. So respect to Joey Barton for that. Um, my first pick for the playoffs were Blackpool. Um, okay. Really like uh, Neil Critchley. Um, you know, I think he did a good job in helping turn Blackpool around last season. You know, they were they were woeful under Simon Grayson. And last season I tipped Blackpool for promotion because their transfer business impressed me. Uh, and then you you saw what Simon Grayson did. He never knew his his ideal side. You know he was swapping and changing his forwards around. It, it was just all a mess. Um, when you look at the business now that uh, that Critchley's done, uh, and I, I've picked out a few key names here because there's one or two that really jump out and say you know, impressive. Dimitri Mitchell from Man United is a player uh, who I think will has the potential to do what Mark Bowler did for. Um, 
Blackpool, which is leave a Premier League club, join Blackpool, have one season, move to the Championship for a million. You know, that's Mitchell for me all over. There's Labala at Crawley. You know, he's been linked with the likes of West Brom and other clubs for a long while now. Really exciting attacking player. Um, I think he will do well. I think he'll fit in nicely with with Critchley's philosophy. Ethan Robson at Sunderland was a, a under twenty three graduate, been on loan at Grimsby. He's another one. He's a real coup. You know, he's he's binned off Sunderland and the chance of first team football there to join Critchley, who was obviously with with Liverpool under twenty threes. You look at Jerry Yates at Rotherham. You know, he scored goals for fun. Um, for Swindon uh, last season while he's still on loan. Keshi Anderson has joined from Swindon as well. CJ Hamilton from Mansfield. Yeah, you've got to you've got to mould these players into a, a side and you've got to get them playing good football. But for me, Neil Critchley has got shades of the Michael Appleton about him that he's used to working with young players. Uh, his transfer business, you, know, you look through it and you think that's strong. The money that they've spent, they have not... Uh, they're, they're not one of these teams that spent money wildly that after furloughing players because they got a good fee for Tony Weston, who they sold to Rangers. I, ju- I, I just have this feeling that Blackpool will be upper top six. Okay. I, I will be honest. I, I couldn't. There was one that uh, my last choice was a, a toss up between two clubs, and, and Blackpool were one of those clubs. So, so you can claim um, them as your dark horse. Yeah, go on then. I'll do that. So, um, <laughs> so that was my first. Obviously, you, you picked another one of mine, but the. To go on to my second kind of unique um, is, well, actually, it would be Fleetwood alphabetically. So it's uh, it's over to you. Okay. Um, next, uh, next alphabetical uh, for me are Ipswich. Um, I think, you know, I said last season um, that I thought they wouldn't particularly do, you know, do too well. Um, but I think they've got, to, I think they've got the resources to, to do it this season. Um, and I think ultimately, you know, you've got a fan base that expects you to be doing as well as, as well as they well, want them to do. And I, I don't think that, uh, I don't think Ipswich will settle for anything less than a playoff spot this season. Um, I know they've not done a huge amount, you know, they've not done a huge amount of business in the window so far, um, but, you know, playoffs last season. I, yeah. I, I think they'll do it again this year. They didn't finish in the playoffs last season, didn't they? No, they finished tenth. Sorry, no, they didn't. No, yes, yes, you're right. No, they didn't. But yeah, I, I think they will. Uh, yeah, I, I think they'll do it this season. I don't. I, I, I haven't even got them as a dark horse or anything. I think, um, I, I think that they are a club that need a change of management to succeed. And as, as I've said several times before, I firmly believe they will have a change of management um, three months into the season. The transfer business has been tepid. Um, uh, you speak to their fans and, and they're not hopeful. I think they lost to Arsenal under-21s in the Cup the other night. Uh, and Paul Lambert played probably eight or nine of what would be considered his first full first team. Um, for me, major concerns over uh, Ipswich this season. Okay. So, another one from you and then uh, I'll do my last two. Um, let's have a look. Uh, yeah, so my next... Um... <laughs> next team in the uh, in the playoffs are essentially for the same reasons um uh, it's portsmouth i think portsmouth are a club that um i, I remember last season that i said that you know i i was i was not necessarily a fan but i was uh, i i didn't mind kenny jacket as a manager and i got i got a bit of a ribbon for that last season um but they you know they they 
almost got there last year. Um, and I, I just think, yeah, you know, I think that they, they obviously need to get a, you know, a few more, few more people in the ground to, you know, to bulk up the squad a little bit, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's probably the, the little bit of a weak spot for Sean Raggett as well. I think, you know, I'd like to see him do well, but obviously not against us. Um, and I think, you know, having him in any defense at the minute is, is a strong, he's a strong central defender. So, um, yeah, I'd like, to, I'm not like to see them, but I, I think they'll be, uh, they'll be there or thereabouts I, at the end of the season. I, I haven't got them in, uh, there either. Um, I, they had a bad start last season. And you know, I, I did in, in my on my Stacey West um, preview. I sort of said that you know the, the definition of madness is trying the same thing as, as we know. You know, I've been playing Far Cry Three and Vass. There's a great cut scene where the <laughs> baddie Vass says, "I've never told you the definition of madness." Brilliant. Um, and I think that Portsmouth are just beginning to show that definition of madness because Kenny Jacket plays four two three one. It doesn't excite the fans. He starts rotating players far too quickly. Everybody gets a little bit upset. Then it clicks. Uh, they get through to the playoffs, and then they're crap in the playoffs. And that was exactly what happened um, last season. This season, they're suffering because they've got a big squad. And if you talk to their, uh, if you listen to their chief executive, um, he's kind of lamented the fact they, they're unable to bring players in due to the, not the salary cap, but the restrictions that are placed upon you having players over a certain age within that salary cap. Um, right. So they haven't lost key players. I mean, Ollie Hawkins was on the fringe. Brett Pittman would always score goals, but seemed to have fallen out with Kenny Jacket. Christian Burgess, they might like to have kept. Um, Luke McGee left they weren't overly fussed about that I don't think but again there hasn't been an awful lot of change really really low squad churn as you said Raggett Cameron Prings come in Callum Johnson from Accrington um, but they're just going to try the same thing again now in theory any team with Marcus Harness John Marquis and Ronan Curtis going forward as in a wave of three should be doing well at this level um, but again I think I think my 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 thoughts about it were that you know I think there's a stat that's something like they scored they, or they accumulated the most points after October, so it was the dodgy start that they had that that really did them in. And I think if they can get started well this season, um, then I think they'll probably be you know they'll probably be you know, up there. I think they they looked decent when they came you know came down uh, came up to us. It's a decent shout. And these are predictions, Ben. There's no right or wrong. Yeah, I know. Well, until next May. That's fair. Right then. So my last two, um, alphabetically, first one's Hull City. Uh, And I know there's an awful lot of people who think that Hull are going to struggle. Um, You know, they think that this crisis club that are dropping through the divisions is... Uh, I can't. Uh, one of the one of the predictions that I saw had them kind of in the bottom four, and I think that's utter madness. Um, you look at the signings that they've made. I think Louis Coyle signed from Fleetwood, so he was in the playoffs last year. Josh Emmanuel signed from Bolton, really rate him. Uh, Richie Smallwood's come from Blackburn. He's been on the fringes of a Championship side. Greg Doherty from Rangers has played at this level with Shrewsbury. Alfie Jones from Southampton. I think he's been coveted by Gillingham. Then you look at some of the other players they've already got. Tom Eaves, has, you know, he was a regular scorer for Gillingham at this level. George Honeyman was captain of Sunderland. Grant McCann already has put Doncaster into the playoffs in this division before. Um, and I just think that, you know, Hull are a big club. Um, it pains me to say that, 
but they are a big club. Uh, they are mm. now. They've had Premier League experience behind them. They do have a little bit of money. You know, they bought Doherty and they bought Coyle despite putting play, uh, staff on furlough and despite not raising funds from selling players. So morally, I have an issue with Hull City and, mm. and also the fact that Hull is a dump. So I have a, a, <laughs> I, have, <laughs> I have a serious issue with Hull. I've always gotten really well with their mascot, a guy called Steve. So if you're listening to this, Steve, it is tongue in cheek, uh, mate. Um, I even did a, a, a fun run with which is, you know, there's there's a, a contradiction That's an in terms. Isn't it? Yeah, a con- contradiction in terms, if ever I've heard. Fun and run. Yeah, get stuff. That's like saying I did a fun cut my arm off. Um, but I did that <laughs> round the I did that around the KC Stadium. And it was do you know what? They were great and their supporters were great. Uh, you know, and and they, they kind of accosted me as being Lincoln in this park uh, that the fun run went through and there was no nastiness at all. So but I just I think that I think Hall will make the playoffs is what I'm saying. Um, and, uh, and my final shout are, um, are our opponents on Saturday. I think Oxford United. Uh, we've covered them in, in, in detail already, so I don't need really to go into it any further. Um, but, you know, we've already said what a strong side they've got. And I think by the time the transfer window closes, it'll be stronger. Uh, I think they're on a bounce at the moment and there's absolutely no reason why they won't be there. Okay, um, my final pick for uh, the, the the playoff spots is actually Sunderland. Uh, it was you'd... Sunderland. It was Sunderland or Blackpool. Oh, okay. Sorry, I thought you'd picked four. My bad. Yeah, of course. No, it was uh, that, that. Well, Blackpool was sort of the the, the other shout. Um, yeah. But yeah, I said I'd have them as my dark horse. So yeah, Sunderland or Blackpool for me. I think. Um, I, again, I, I just think it's it's this probably the big club mentality that. I've I've got in my head about you know well, they should be there, but I I just think if they if Sunderland can't get out of this division this season, then there there are some serious serious problems at that club, and I know there are because I've watched the documentary and it's hilarious if you're not a Sunderland fan, but um yeah Sunderland for me uh, round out the playoffs. Well, I I picked a dark horse. Obviously, you you went for Blackpool. Um, you know, I bear in mind I. I the teams that I haven't picked, but my dark horse are actually Charlton Athletic. Um, okay. And I think this is one of those that could go either way because of the ownership issues and that sort of thing. It could be that in actual fact, we see a complete disintegration and they should be my dark horse for relegation. Um, they've lost key players, Chris Solly, Lyle Taylor, Toma Hemed, Nabi Saar. Um, they, Tom Lockyer has joined Luton. So they've lost quite a lot of their squad. Um, they've only brought in Alex Gilby and Connor Washington at the moment. Uh, Connor Washington should score goals at this level, in my opinion. Um, he has done before at Peterborough, but then he's had a pretty horrible career after leaving Peterborough. And Alex Gilby did the, the job last season as well. All I see with Charlton, I remember watching them two years ago when they went up through the playoffs and they were outsiders um, and they put this phenomenal run together against all odds. You know, they lost Carlin, uh, Carlin Grant during that run and, and, and kind of still managed to forge forward. Um, I think there's business to be done. They've struggled to recruit players again through the salary cap and not necessarily um, because of, of, of funding, but more because of the um, the age restriction and that sort of thing. Lee Bowyer is like Joey Barton for me in that he's one of those players that shouldn't gone on to be a good manager but is and has um you know Macaulay Bond for instance he's, he's, he's shown that he can take players out of the non-league and turn them into proper football league players and Bond didn't look a football league player for me when he was with us 
So I think Charlton are going to be a dangerous side. And again, I'm happy that we're playing them early doors because I think that later in the season, there'll be a team that uh, are going to be much stronger than they are now if they get taken over. If the takeover doesn't go through, uh, and I don't know if it has yet or not, I haven't paid that a lot of attention, but if it doesn't go through, then I think that there could be um, big problems for them. Yeah, no, that's fair. Right, promotion then. Okay, so do you want me to pick my promoted and then you do your promoted and champion and then I'll finish with champion. Uh, So my promoted side um, are one of your playoff picks. Okay. uh, It's Sunderland. And I think that this will surprise a few people because um, I'm not a Phil Parkinson fan. I don't think he's a good manager. But I think the quality that Sunderland have got in their side. What's that noise? What noise? It was an awful noise in the background there. Oh, well, maybe it's just me. Listeners, well, it might be me, might be me moving my chair. Sorry about okay, that. Okay, no worries. Yeah, it sounded like you're sat on a pile of A4 paper. Um, <laughs> yeah, so basically, I, I think if, if Sunderland can get it right going forward and they can create chances for the collection of forwards that they've got, eventually they're going to have to score goals. You know, Will Grigg, Charlie White, Danny Graham. You look at players that they've got there like George Dobson. I mean, Dobson didn't feature massively for them last season and he's a Rolls-Royce of a midfielder. He's somebody that I've admired um, since his Walsall days. I think that um, they're a club that will probably be able to spend a little bit of money come January if they're struggling. Um, but I, I just don't think that Sunderland can continue to struggle at this level. Uh, I think mm-hmm. Phil Parkinson has now, he came in, he took over from Jack Ross. It was tough. He had Jack Ross's players, but he's had time now to work with his players, create his own generals. And if we're thinking as Lincoln fans, you know, now Appleton's got some of his own players in, now Mike Appleton's getting his own ideas across, then the same's got to be said for Sunderland. Um, they've got a great academy. You know, they've got young players that come through, and, and the likes of Lyndon Gooch, for instance, uh, I think who scored in their win the other night. I don't know if you saw that, but they beat Aston Villa under 21s, 8 mm. 1. Um, oh, I did see that, yeah. They haven't had a great pre season, and there are question marks over Phil Parkinson. But if they can use that result against Aston Villa as, as a kind of a bounce, which, you know, it sounds silly in a Mickey Mouse tournament that the players like Danny Graham, who's 35, 36, players like Charlie Wyke, who hasn't scored regularly, Will Grigg, who's put a couple in pre-season, if they suddenly find their feet, Sunderland, for me, have the the potential to bounce forward, especially when fans are allowed back in stadiums. Mm, Yeah, I think think that was probably the reason that I put them in the playoffs rather than, um, you know, in in the top two. Um, I think... The, the lack of fans, are, that's going to hit Sunderland quite hard, I think. Um, I, I can't really see, I can't see them getting above the playoffs, but, you know, yeah. Um, my my promoted team were one of your playoff picks, and again, it, it's Oxford. Um, I think Oxford have got enough about them, and I think they've got the consistency, you know, going off... Um, Going off some of the stuff from last season, and they've, like I say, they've added to the team. We've spoken about them quite a lot now, so I think they are the team that I've picked to go um, up <laughs> automatically. So, I, if we count down three, two, one, we're both <laughs> going to say the same, the same <laughs> team because they are Pretty conspicuous sure. in their absence uh, yeah. of your playoffs and mine. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, yes. Can we count down. Three, yep. Yeah, in three, two, one. 
It's Burton Peterborough Albion. United. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not Burton Albion. It's obviously Peterborough United. Yeah. Um, I, I can't, I, I just can't see anybody else winning this league this season. Um, you know, they've, they've, the business that they've done, the fact that they managed to bring in an awful lot of money for, for Ivan Tony and then spend it on Johnson Clark Harris whilst, well, keeping a hell of a lot of it, I imagine. <laughs> I'm guessing it's probably not quite as uh, high a fee that was demanded, but. Yeah, I, I I just think Peterborough are, are going to be the team to beat this season. Um, I think you know, Darren McAntony and uh, and uh, Barry Fry have both said this is the season of quote revenge. You know, they they felt, I think they feel a bit cheated the fact that they they didn't go up last season, um, and understandably so. I just think they've um, you know, I, I think they're a team that are going to be very dangerous this season. I mean, obviously they've signed Reese Brown as well, who you know, we know how dangerous he can be. Um, I, I think they've made some really good signings and I, I just can't see anything other than top spot for them. And to be honest with you, I don't really think that their fans will accept anything other than top two. Yeah, I don't know. it's obvious the fact that, you know, we probably picked one team in the playoffs that matched and we probably picked one team in relegation that matched. That tells you how much of a mixed bag the rest of the league is. But for me, Peter United's squad is right out there over and above everybody's. Um, I know they've lost Ivan Tony, but they brought in the sort of money which is utterly ridiculous. Tony is a good striker. Um, but what did they get? 10 million for him? I mean, genuinely, that is phenomenal business. And they do it time and again. And that then allows them to spend relatively big sums when compared to other transfer fees, but small sums compared to what they're actually making on players. And, you know, it's it's almost not a self-fulfilling prophecy, but it's it's just this perpetual cycle of bringing in big transfer fees and then paying over and above what others can for players who then turn into players who command even bigger transfer fees. And eventually Mm. that's going to result because the quality keeps going up and up and up. It's got to result in promotion. And, you know, you look at players like Sariki Dembele. Um, I mean, we didn't see a lot of him at Sinsel Bank, to be fair. Um, but, you know, they've they've taken Dembele, who was in and out of the Grimsby team. He was that sort of talent that no manager knew what to do with. And they've turned him into a top quality League One player. Mo Issa, you know, had a season last year where there wasn't any pressure. He was a big signing. Ivan Tony was getting all the goals. So Mo Issa was just there settling in. Mm. Still think he reached double figures. He, you know, he got a good goal tally last season. He could be their leading scorer this season. Um, Johnson Clark Harris, I'm actually not as sure he's going to score um, as many goals as people think. For me, you look at some of the other signings and they are wow. Um, Sammy Smodic from Bristol City. I mean, what a player. Yeah, he I, mean, is. I think, I think Smodic, Smodic is the other, the, the, the main reason. Basically, when I was putting my notes together on this, I just basically put Peterborough brackets, Johnson Clark, Harris, and Smodic. Yeah. That was essentially it. Superb player, Smodic. Creative going forward. Don't underestimate Ryan Broom at Cheltenham as well. He's a player who's been raising eyebrows for a few seasons now. You know, they've picked him up for an undisclosed fee. He could well command a seventh figure fee later in his career. Smodic, I think, is more of a player that's been signed with a view to getting promotion rather than signed with a view to turning over money. You're quite right mm-hmm. to pick up Reese Brown. We know if you get Reese Brown playing properly, um, he he will he'll be a star and he would fit into the Peterborough method as well. Ethan Hamilton signed from Manchester United. He's a player again, I think could be worth seven figures. 
um, in in a year or two's time. You look at the players that they've retained as well. You know, they've retained much of their first team. I think they're currently sniffing around Randall Williams at Exeter, who was um, exceptional for Exeter last season. It, you know, I would say it pains me to say it, but you know what? To a degree, it doesn't because I don't like Peterborough particularly. But I admire the way that they do what they do, you know, and they, to a lesser degree, Oxford, you know, you look at Oxford, they've just started doing it. They've just started um, developing players and turning them over from, from when Michael was there, they, that was something they did and it dropped away under Pep Clotet and whatever, any other clown that's been in charge of that. And and they've just started doing it again. Peter Brook done it consistently year on year (laughs) on year. And you know, we talk, I talked about Connor Washington earlier, who who kind of is at um, Charlton, but he left Peterborough for a big sum after uh, being signed for a modest sum. You look at Brit um, uh, Asambalonga, who's just been named Middlesbrough captain, I think. He's been through Peterborough United and, and, and turned the money over. Dwight Gale has. Um, they have misses, you know, George Cooper, who's left, signed from Crew, didn't make it, and he's gone back to, to where he was. Alex Woodyard didn't make it. Um, so, you know, there's there's an argument for Ryan Broom might not make it. Randall Williams might not make it. Um, but, you know, there's, there's two elements to Peterborough United. There's the football element and the business element. And right now, uh, at this moment in time, I think they've probably got both spot on. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, like you say, um, if, if you were to ask me, you know, the teams that I liked the most outside of Lincoln in League One, Peterborough wouldn't be anywhere near that list, but in terms of the the respect that I've got for them, I think, you know, you can say what you like about Darren McAntony. Personally, I think he's a bit of a bell, but, you know, he will do what's right for his club and he does it in the right way in terms of, you know, the business side of things. So, um, yeah, they they are absolutely a club that I admire and I think they've, like I say, they've, they've done things the right way um, when it comes to the the transfer market. Um, And, you know, we we will sit here every day or every week and and say that the likes of you know Dale Vince down in uh, down in Gloucestershire he's he's a prick. bit of a prick and yeah you know um, you know he'll do things the wrong way and you know the, the clowns down the road at Mansfield they will do similar things in the wrong way it's just the way that Peterborough do their business I think is is spot on um, and like you say they they've done it consistently for so long that ultimately they are now in a position where they've got the financial back in through the right methods and they've also got you know the, the quality on the pitch to to see them through to the title and I honestly think I, I can't pick another team to to take this league this season I think it's interesting um the differences in the in the choices I mean yeah I, I kind of I know that there will be people who will say hang on you've picked you haven't picked Portsmouth uh, to be in the playoffs, which, you know, on reflection, you know, Portsmouth might actually do the business and Sunderland might not, but predictions are what they are, aren't they? Um, so mm. just to clarify, uh, my official rundown was Champions Peterborough United, um, Sunderland, automatic promotion, Hull, Oxford, Fleetwood and Blackpool in the playoffs uh, with Wigan, Wimbledon, Rochdale and Accrington relegated. Mm-hmm. And yours? Um, mine were Peterborough, Champions, Oxford promoted, uh, Fleetwood, Ipswich, Portsmouth and Sunderland in the playoffs with Blackpool as a sort of dark horse. And then my bottom four were Bristol, Crewe, Ro- uh, Northampton, Rochdale. Cool. And so um, on to Lincoln City. And I know we're, we're kind of pushing time here. Um, 
I would be happy, more than happy with a top half finish this season. Um, I think what I've seen so far, um, I said during the game last Saturday uh, and again on Tuesday night, I'm really liking what I'm seeing from the team at the moment. Um, We seem to be one or two games away from everything clicking together, but there is enough of a glimmer there where I'm thinking, actually, yeah, we we look fairly decent. Um, I don't think we're going to be looking over our shoulders at at the team's you know, too closely um, this season. I don't think we're in any danger of the bottom four this season. Um, and that's not being arrogant. That's not being, you know, pig-headed about it. I just think the, the quality that we've got in the side and, you know, there are some unknown quantities there, sure. But I think at the moment, what we're seeing excites me. And I think, you know, Michael's got the the team playing the kind of football that he wants. And I think it will, hopefully, I think it will, you know, surprise a few people that have been uh, quite vocalist, uh, you know, over the close season and uh, since, well, over the past 12 months, shall we say. So, um, yeah, I, I'm I'm quietly confident that we'll finish in the top half this season. Yeah, for me, there's a little bit of um, the DJ look and MC neat about it. Uh, with a little bit of luck, we can hmm. make it through the night. Um, but this isn't about making it now through. That- that is a reference. <laughs> it just came through to my head. And uh, the reason being, I always think of the when they found the Facebook uh, profile of somebody called Trudy Knight uh, <laughs> and then posted it with a little bit of luck. We can make it. And then it's got Trudy Knight. Um, yeah. It's like Pam Balam. Yeah. So I, I was tempted to name us as the Dark Horse. Uh, for the playoffs. And that's not me saying we're going to make the playoffs. I don't want people to quote me on that. But I just think taking my Lincoln City hat off and going through the teams objectively, as as we have just done with everybody else, you look at some of our business and you think, impressive. And you're talking Liam Bridcott and Conor McGrandles, James Jones. You look at um, Callum Morton, Alex Palmer. People are going to look at those as we have done objectively all these other teams and go, that's good business from Lincoln. Um, you know, we wouldn't be able to talk about stability, uh, which is normally one reason. You know, If you make strong signings and you've got stability from last season as well, that's a good reason to be a dark horse. But people looking from the outside in, as we mentioned at the top of the show, will see Michael Appleton and go, well, he put Oxford, what, ninth, I think, in his first season in League One, got them promoted from League Two, took them to two Wembley finals. Um, that's a good manager. And that's what people looking from the outside will think, in my opinion. So I was tempted to put us as as dark horses. And I thought, actually, do you know what? No, that's a bit self-indulgent because I, you know, I think there are other teams who are almost as, uh, you know, equally as likely. And it would have been crass for me to go, we'll put Lincoln as a dark horse for promotion, but I haven't got Portsmouth in my top six. Um, So Mm. I wouldn't do that. For me, I'm going to predict a 12th place finish. Um, okay. Because I think, I, I, I think we will be looking over our shoulder, but only in the respect of this division is going to be so tight that, you know, going into February, anybody from, from probably 12th downwards will be in danger of the drop. Not because they are particularly bad, but because I think a lot of teams will be able to beat others. However, I think this Lincoln City side is better than Swindon, Bristol Rovers, Accrington, Rochdale, Wimbledon, Wigan, teams we've not mentioned, mm. like Shrewsbury, like Burton Albion. 
like Plymouth Argyle. You know, we should be... I thought Burton were going to win the league. <laughs> yeah, the, <laughs> these are the teams that I think that we are better than. I mean, I, I you know, when I talked about Dark Horse for relegation, don't don't rule out Burton. Um, that's mm. all I'll say. You know, new manager, Clough's gone now. Uh, like, the consistency's gone. Will they keep Bozzy fit for 46 games? Is Neil Erdley you know, with another year on him? Uh, a League One quality right back in terms of pace. So, but all I'd say is, you know, these are teams that I think there are less questions about us than there are about a good 10 teams in this division. Um, and I, you know, I talk regularly with Pete, as you know about it, and, and he kind of has a similar feeling, I think, that, you know, we, if Lincoln City are, are, are any lower than kind of 15th or 16th, something has gone wrong. Deep down, we would all take 20th now. Because you know, mm. it'd be another season. Michael would have, you know, and uh, having listened to Joe Citroni, you know, Michael, I think, is almost like, well, this season we, we might do all right. Next season we're going to be aiming for the top six. So it'll be interesting. I can, I can ask Michael because I'm actually meeting him on uh, Monday night. So I'm looking forward to that. Sorry, I'll just pick that one up for you, mate. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I think um, I think it was quite interesting to hear Michael talking the other night, and he said, you know, um, he seemed to say that this is the season where we will be able to judge sort of how far away we are as a club, um, which you know it, it goes back to him putting in this longer term plan, um, and I think it's it's really good that that's you know that, that's on his mind. Um, I know when we when we had the live podcast with him and he said, you know, at the end of my tenure with Lincoln City, I want it to be a championship club. I think the fact that he's putting in those, that, that roadmap now and he's saying, look, we'll be able to see where we are after, you know, half a season or whatever this year. So we'll be able to figure out how far away we are to becoming a championship club. And I think the way that it was, the way that he put that answer out, I think was, was spot on. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm genuinely quite excited to see what happens this season. So, and of course, we'll all be able to from the comfort of our own homes on Saturday. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> I, I was just actually looking on my phone. Brandon Hanlon has signed for Bristol Rovers now, which I think oh, is okay. an overrated signing. So, um, yes, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't, uh, yeah, there's there's obviously a, the first league game. We'll all be able to watch it on iFollow. Uh, there might be something for you to watch pre-match as well. Um, I don't know if the club have made any announcements when this has gone out. Um, but if they have, then you'll already know. Uh, but if they haven't, then you won't. So, <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> Jesus yeah. Christ. Amazing. Right. Anyway, um, it's been nearly an hour and a half, so I think that's probably a good spot to end it. Yeah, I'm bloody starving. Yeah, me too, to be fair. I'm having tacos tonight. Yeah, I might go right. to Chinese. Oh, very nice. Okay. Um, not going to do the plugs and stuff because there's no point. I think it's probably best to say that we will see you next week and we have a competitive league game tomorrow by the time you're listening to this. It's so exciting, but not quite as exciting as if we'd be able to be there. Anyway, right. We'll see you next week. Take care, guys. Bye-bye. around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. 
perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.